talk about revolution That's going a little bit too far So love me, love me, love me I'm a liberal Hello, and welcome back to another episode of More Like the Worst Wing, our show where here in 2021, we take a look back at formerly Aaron Sorkin's seminal work, The West Wing, from a bit more of a modern leftist socialist perspective. I am Dave. And I am Stu. And we are here to discuss the final two episodes of season five. Thank God. Yay, we're at the end. We're finally (laughs) at the end of this awful, awful season. Um, Unfortunately, I do recall from my previous uh, watchings of the show that season six doesn't immediately turn it around and get better, but it will get better. Um, So we have that to look forward to. But here we are to discuss the final two episodes of season five, which are basically one big two-parter anyway, so it kind of works out this time. Where uh, this is the the Israel trip uh, that was hyped up uh, since um, we had Emma on, and there was that odd interlude in the Supremes episode yeah. where Toby just like all of a sudden argued, they just decided to start talking. Where about all it. of a sudden Toby <laughs> and uh, and Andy are arguing about the uh, the Israel trip and how it won't be safe and whatnot, uh, and it turns out. Fictional Toby was very right to be concerned about fictional Andy's safety concerns because the writers have engineered a fictional emergency for them. (sighs) Yes, by fictionally invoking what I would consider to be kind of like a fictional trope that is definitely a holdover more from how warfare was conducted in the Iraq war, the early parts of the Iraq war and the occupation, than from anything relevant to the Israel-Palestinian conflict. 100%. Uh, And also trading on a lot of that sweet, sweet post-9-11 Islamophobia (laughs) uh, to say that all Arabs are bad. In fact, we get an explicit statement later in this episode, but I'll get that clip when we get there. Uh, To start off, this episode wastes literally zero time in that we get the inciting incident, which is a uh, terrorist bombing of the U.S. convoy uh, of SUVs containing uh, two congressmen as well as Admiral Fitzwallis and Donna, uh, the all, all the non-Donna participants I named just uh, die in the attack straight up. Donna is severely injured, uh, but alive, and is rushed to a hospital in Germany. Yeah, and this all happens pre-credits yeah. right away, immediately. Like they have they have one shot in my note is just like, oh, so you're blowing your entire effects budget in the first forty-five seconds of the episode. Oh huh? yeah. Oh yeah, they get you know they they flip an SUV, they Fuck got a yeah. big explosion. Like this, this is the West Wing's effects effects budget just gone. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so the uh, reason kaboom, yeah. <laughs> explosions. The the reason I say that it's it, it feels like like sort of a, a conflation and just like a generalized pastiche of what an American idea of a Middle Eastern conflict is is because when when you say we use the word terrorist bombing of something mm-hmm. it's the it is a IED like a roadside IED goes off and blows up a an SUV and that is not a that is not representative i believe in large the in large scale Palestinian of, tactics of any yeah. tactics involved with the Israel Palestine conflict even during at this point in history this is during right the the second intifada is currently still active so there is in in there there's an excuse for what would be an organized a loose organization of quote mm-hmm. sides of this conflict mm-hmm. there is an organizational attempt to conduct conflict with the israeli government Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's also like but this is much more the tactics that you know we were currently experiencing in Iraq. And yes, the exactly. Just rip, ripped from the headlines. Yeah, because and in a in a way, I mean, and this is, I mean, you and I are, I would say, probably at least marginally more academically aware of this sort of conflict than your average American. And so for me, it takes me out of it almost immediately. Because I'm like, right. this is like something out of, um, what the fuck is that movie? The Kingdom. Like, it looks mm-hmm. like that scene in The Kingdom when in Saudi Arabia or something else. Mm-hmm. It's just like, this mm-hmm. is not... Or or like the scene in Iron Man, where Iron Man gets yes, captured. Exactly. Tony Stark yep. gets captured. That, which is in Afghanistan. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So regardless of that, like, we start the episode off with literally a boom. 
And yep. <laughs> ba- and basically we get the news quite quickly that the two congressmen and Admiral Fitzwallis, rip in peace, um, mm-hmm. have have died. It's, a, it's a, a bold decision to kill kill Fitzwallis, even though he's no longer an active character. You know, he is a character that has a lot of history. You know, this is a lot different than killing the one guy the president spoke to that one time and he saw a picture of his family and now he feels bad about it. Like, he knows Fitzwallis. Yeah, and I think that and that the reason that he was so conflicted about sending him in the about first place him. is that mm-hmm. this is what he was sort of the thing that he was worried about. So to skip, mm-hmm. to skip like, timeline-wise, the episode closes with the president going to visit Fitzwallis's wife and, like, you know, mm-hmm. express his condolences at their their mm-hmm, home mm-hmm. and it's character actress novella nelson who in my brain is always tracy jordan's fake mom from so, um from the so in west in west wing canon tracy, tracy jordan, jordan is, is admiral Fitzwallis. <laughs> <laughs> he took the tragedy of his father's death hard and he you know he spiraled for a while but then yeah. he eventually landed that girly show job and <laughs> resurrected his career yeah three years later you know he goes from the strip clubs to the girly show Uh, yeah so fitz is dead which you know um it's fine i mean he wasn't not that big a deal he wasn't wasn't an active character right they literally just bring him back to kill him off kind of like when mrs landingham had that long stretch of not showing up in episodes and then showed up in the one just to die yep just to get taken out um but uh we do an in media res thing where we sort of flash back to like two days beforehand with donna at the uh the actual peace talk itself uh, where she is approached by handsome, dreamy photographer journalist Jason Isaacs. Yes. Uh, his character's name is Colin something, um, but uh, I recognize him most recently from Death of Stalin as uh, Field Marshal Zukov. And for me, he was um, the like presidential science advisor in the Independence Day movie. <laughs> or, That's right. Or. Actually, I can't, and this is this is in a damning indictment of me. I think it's either that or in Armageddon, and I can't remember which one it is. Anyway, it might be Armageddon. I think it was Brent Spiner in Independence. Yeah, Day. Yeah, so he plays the guy the in the lab in Independence Day, but I swear to God, there was like an, another initial oh, like science advisor, like in the sit room advisor. Yeah, yeah. I I can't I don't remember. I think he's in Armageddon, so maybe it is Independence. Anyway, Day. he's but in either way. <laughs> it's a delight to see Jason Isaacs here. Um, He's he plays a charming photojournalist who uh, swoop, sweeps Donna off her feet, mm-hmm. uh, as well as gives her a sort of walking tour of Gaza, uh, or at least the parts of it he has access to. Yeah, and well, and we're familiar with this. It's like it's the trope of like going native, right? So Basically. you know, Donna is Donna's upset because she's mired in procedural meetings and endless back and forthery on a political level. That's just like statements and, and yeah. Right. It's the exact same stuff she would see in Washington, D.C., except she's in Israel. Like, mm-hmm. and she has to cover her head because, you know, and, and can't get a beer and like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, you know, Jason Isaacs is the guy who's like, he's the rugged guy. He's in country. Right. Like he has all the connections. Right. He knows the right people. He, he literally comes up to her. He's like, this isn't real Gaza. Do you want to see real <laughs> Gaza? And then, and then makes the makes the dreamy eyes at her. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, and so we then get, you know, several several scenes Several little anecdotes. Yeah, yeah. Like vignettes of them meeting members of various sides of the conflict. And, huh, fun, funny enough, it seems like there's a general agreement between all of these vignettes that it's like, oh, um... Yeah, these people who are just fighting back against imperial occupation all need to be hunted down and exterminated. Right, right. They're the problem. Turns <laughs> out this is it's it's actually really easy to figure out the Israel-Palestine conflict. You guys, Palestine's in the wrong, Israel's in the right. Da da done. <laughs> yeah, and even you. Well, once you find this lovely Palestinian man telling me that Palestine is wrong, he just wants to work, and those goddamn militants right. are just keeping him from right. earning Art, an honest Art. wage. Are taking his jobs. Literally. He literally he literally says that the, <laughs> because because the Palestinians give money to uh, martyrs and their families that they're t- they're ripping the jobs out of out of his arms. And like, okay, so so what, sure, sort of, but so, not really. <laughs> yeah, and and honestly, like, uh, 
yeah, and especially at this time. I mean, we're we're back 15 years ago, 16 years I ago, just, I think, at this point. I, I, I find it incredulous that this man living in Gaza, which is accurately later described in the episode as the world's largest open-air prison, is blaming not his jailers, not his prisoners, but uh, some people on his team who are resisting in a way he does not find appropriate. The man's a liberal. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they, they found the one they, Palestinian neoliberal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my, uh, my, palat- my politics around the Israeli-Palestinian conflict are described by market ethics. Like, well, well, sorry, the one side, it's just it's preventing the exchange of goods and services. So mm-hmm. mm, that's bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, free trade needs to, <laughs> needs to, especially between Israel and Gaza, free trade stops wars, you know? Uh, and so, you know, they go around and there's a scene, there's, oh my God, so they end up at a settlement. So, oh boy, all right, time, time to unload this one. Go ahead and describe so the setup. They, they, they end up going to a settlement to be like, yeah, so, you know, these are people just trying to carve out their new lives in these new, at in their new homes. And it's... Mm-hmm. It's jarring because they just use the word settlement and glaze over mm-hmm. what settling the is. Of that. Yeah. I, and it lit- I'm and I swear to god it wasn't filmed on location. It was filmed in like a suburb of Phoenix or something. Oh, of course. Because yeah. it just it's yeah. white picket fence like uh like adobe houses with stucco. It, yeah. Walls. Yeah, like, it looks like the the perfect idea of American suburbia except instead of American flags they're Israel flags. Yeah, and every house has one. Like they have, yeah. they, and they have full green lawns in the Israeli desert. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what what a fucking waste of water! Well, and you know they they do the, they interview this woman and she's like, you know, the rocket came through here and destroyed my roof, and then you know my neighbor. <laughs> I swear to God, she says something about like her neighbor's in ground pool got blown over. Something like, God damn it! <laughs> what the yeah. fuck are you even talking yeah. about? I know it's, you know, uh, they, she goes on this whole thing about like, look, we need to be here. God wants us here. And if we leave and give this land back to the Palestinians whose land it rightfully is, then we're failing God. And this is portrayed like not as a crazy religious woman being insanely religious, but as like a good moral opinion to hold yeah donna's like she like shades her eyes with her hand and goes "Mm, okay yeah yep makes (laughs) sense yep so and and, you know they just had a mortar come through their house so they're meant to be the sympathetic ones obviously here yeah and yeah it's just it's just incredible how the show just like doesn't even attempt to to really capture the other side in any way other than to give us the gaza liberal who who rants about like oh yeah it's you know it's my own side's terrorist fault definitely and i think yeah the 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 point that is hammered home to me is that because it is familiar we are understood that the 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 status quo is this settlement existing and therefore it Mm -hmm. is good and, like, and, and and more and more like it being yeah, created. Yeah, like that's that's a thought terminator in in the episode. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh yeah, well of course mm-hmm. this is the correct. Well, of, co- of course settlements are good. Didn't you hear that woman? God wants her here, <laughs> and they look like America. Who we? <laughs> yeah, who are we to argue with God? And yeah, it looks like American suburbia, which is the default that our audience knows, so they will instinctively identify with us. As opposed to the, you know, the Gaza market scene where there's weird, you know, signs in Arabic and stuff like oh, that. Oh, and they're, they're like serving coffee out of communal doers. Like, oh. And, 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 they're, and they're playing backgammon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. My God, an actual community. Americans won't know what the fuck to look at. Oh, they'll hate it. It's so alien. Oh, holy shit. This looks like Little Havana on a Sunday morning. Oh my god, yeah, I have, what's going on? What's going I see, on? I see a, co- a community interacting. Why aren't people atomized in their own individual <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> homes? There, I don't see a single giant SUV. Um, so, <laughs> well. well, yeah, until they get blown up. Maybe that's why they go after them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so there is, and so we eventually get a conversation between um, the president, President Bartlett, and the head of the Palestinian Authority, who mm-hmm. yeah who also concedes that it's like 
oh, this act of resistance, well, I mean, using our parlance rather than the show's, it's not like this mm-hmm. act of resistance is also bad and we condemn it unilaterally. Mm-hmm. Like, there is no yep. question this is bad. Yep, yep. There is, like, the show has zero interest in unpacking its fundamental assumptions here of Israel good, Palestine bad. Yeah. And and, and every, every scene just sort of falls out from that assumption. Well, and they're... Um, the, oh, the the deference to the concept of a singular authority has also de- yes. had that concept has actually like we have been witness over the last 17 years to a degradation of that in that now it is, I guess, people here, I hope, I think at least for me personally and those on the left do not conceive of any centralized governing body being available to Palestinians, not even available, right? not able right. to be availed of. There is literally right. nothing and there now. Nothing will be recognized, and there's nothing, yeah, there's nothing to recognize, mm-hmm. but even if they had something, it wouldn't be officially recognized because that's the status quo where Israel gets to be partner of the U.S. and Palestine gets to be shit on. <clears throat> so in the conversations with various White House officials, we get Josh just being like, just glass everything over there, which is cool. Right. You know, deputy chief of staff, no big deal. <laughs> he's in grief. I'm going to give him a pass because he, 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 at this point, he knows about Donna and he's freaking the fuck out. And he just needs to be in Germany in that hospital room, not in the White House giving any sort of advice. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, he just goes like, we find who did it and we kill them. And then we find anyone who was happy about it and we kill them too. There's an interview with a um, an Israeli soldier who Colin introduces Donna to, and <clears throat> there is a there's a superficial criticism of the again the presumption of putting just absolutely genocidal language into the mouth of this soldier and having him be just a mouthpiece for a certain set of politics, which which Emma was on a tear about being insulting to Jews generally but i don't but the show takes great pains to dress it up in the israeli insignia the israeli uniform so it's yes it's at least in in the shows i would say it's more nationalist yes the the interview the interview with the settler woman that's more like a condemnation of like judaism or jews or a particular type of jew where she you know she's not part of the israeli army she's literally just a jewish woman settler yeah 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 and I think again, that's the most grace you'll get from West Wing is that they uh, agree. They, they they bother to specify that it is a soldier of the Isra- of the IDF that is saying these right. things. That and literally the quote is here: "If you see an Arab, you know he's bad, and you shoot him." Right. Okay. Uh, uh, that that's what the settler woman. Oh no! Says, shit. Actually. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's that's the line from the settler woman where she's like, you know, in Jerusalem it's harder. You know, you see an Arab, he might be oh, that's a good right. Arab. Yeah, good one. <laughs> <laughs> but but here in Gaza, it's easy. You know every Arab is bad Arab and you shoot him. It doesn't make you want to leave. This is the more safe environment. In Jerusalem, when you see an Arab, you don't know. Ill, if you see one, you know he's dangerous and you shoot him. Ugh. and jesus christ like there's a there's a genocidal racism yeah and so as we go through you know it's there's a lot of back and forth between government like agencies and, and authorities on either side of the thing but there is a i think there's like a phone call or like a discussion of the results of one of these little like you know meetings or whatever and the quote and i can't remember who says it is that the chairman, who I'm assuming is the head of the Palestinian Authority, he says, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the chairman's not letting the grass grow. And that yeah. is a almost like it is a word for word invocation of the metaphor that the IDF uses for oppressing Gaza, which is occasionally you must cut the grass or mow the mow the grass to keep it from getting too oh. tall. And oh, so by by not cutting the grass, the chairman is allowing it to grow and by not. I just yeah. I don't really even mm. think it was um, intentional. Really, I don't even, I honestly do not believe that it was written intentionally this way. But hearing that specific metaphor in this context was turbo gross to just be like, oh, where have I heard that before? Oh, it's the policy of Likud 
that occasionally these people must be physically cut back. To, right. Yeah. Just uh, just go do a little ethnic cleansing once every while, and you know that that keeps the problems from occurring. Supposedly, you know that that's what fixes problems. Just random violence every now and then. Well, so speaking of random violence, the episode's conclusion ends up being that the the Israeli state unilaterally takes some military action against an apartment mm-hmm. building in Gaza where they claim to have isolated, you know, a terrorist leader or whatever, mm-hmm. and just sends a couple cruise missile strikes into the side of a building and ends up killing, yep. like, 12 civilians. <laughs> yep. It's basically, <coughs> like, the exact same thing that happened uh, right after Afghanistan, where we uh, where we drone-striked a, quote-unquote, like, ISIS-X leader, uh, but actually killed, like, 12 innocent civilians. And the, the whole... They learn, they learn from the best, Israel. <laughs> and the whole time this, this conflict is unfolding in a military frame where the president is just railing about how, you know, there are no... Like, what are my options? I want to go in and fight instead of, like, sending cruise missiles to fight. And it's like, well, have you considered maybe not, not doing a fighting? Like, maybe do right. not violence at them or something? Right. But, you know, this is also just... When, when all you have is a hammer, everything fucking looks like mm-hmm. a nail. So guess what? These guys fire a few rockets into Israel occasionally. So, you know, it's drone strikes and cruise missile time. Mm-hmm. This is technically pre-drone, but they're they're launching missiles just like, you know, just like a drone would. Yeah. But yes. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of conversation about like, okay, Mr. President, well, we could send in like two squads into this building, but you'd risk American troops' lives, or we could just fucking tomahawk missile it, and yeah, maybe we'll kill 50 innocent civilians, (laughs) but we'll get the fucking job done, won't we? Yeah. Blast blacks and kudos all around, we'll be able to clap in the sit room, and and you'll go home happy, and we'll have, you know, (laughs) kicked off World War III. Yeah. So... Let's let's take a quick break here because basically the mm-hmm. notification of the civilian casualties of this strike um, leads into it's the the cutoff between the two parter and then we come back mm-hmm. on the the second one with the president basically reacting to yep. receiving that news. So let's take a break here and come right back. As a funny aside, uh, I think I've mentioned this before on the show, but every time the episode ends when you're watching it on, like, DVD or Netflix or downloaded as I have it, uh, the ending little jingle is the most upbeat thing you've yes. ever heard, <laughs> <laughs> despite whatever came beforehand. So this episode actually ends with them, as you said earlier, mourning Fitzwallis with Fitzwallis's widow. And that's the scene they choose to put over the da 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 upbeat music at the end. Yeah, it's like, somewhat are incongruous. Have, are we having a fun time morning? <laughs> yeah. God fucking awful. Um, yeah, it, it's it's striking in a lot of these things because they always they usually have to kind of transition on a like a dramatic note and there's. Right. Right. Very rarely do the episodes end on like an unambiguously happy Happy. note where that sort of transition actually makes sense. (laughs) So the second Uh, episode picks up on the president like receiving the news and reacting to the news of like the Israeli government killing all these fucking civilians. Um, And he's there's we open on just them ranting about like. Yes. He does try to de-escalate right away. Well, and he also understands that this is fundamentally bad. He's like, yes. what the fuck is wrong with these people? I, And there is, to again, to his credit, it's like you abandon the fundamentally hostile 
perspective to be like, just everybody fucking stop killing each other briefly. Right. But right. we then go he, in and he rants at one point about like, well, for Israel being our greatest ally, we can't fucking get him on the phone when we need him. <laughs> well, no shit. So like that's my, my my comment in the notes here is that, well, Jesus, if you're their closest ally on the planet and let's all be clear, the state of Israel depends solely Entirely upon the grace of the United America. States to continue to exist. And they don't pick up the phone. I, I don't know, Mr. President, but maybe you could do something. Yeah, maybe don't be such an Israel ally if they continue to pick up, not pick up. The maybe phone. say you will when when my red phone rings, it will be picked up within two rings, or else I will. I don't know. Not sell Full you that funding. You not sell yeah. you that next load of like rocket launchers or whatever right, the fuck that you, that you're currently launching into uh, Gaza. Yeah. Um. So that is just like. What are you going to do about it, Mr. President? Are you going to sit here and bitch to your advisors? Or are you going to, like, actually conduct some diplomacy? Mm-hmm. I- and he tries. He, he tries to get the Israeli uh, leader on the phone. Then he settles for the Israeli ambassador, who basically just, like, takes the hard line of, like, yeah, you know, we're doing the right thing here. Don't worry about it. <laughs> And they like they're they're like zoom enhancing the crime scene, and we get like some close up mm. pictures, and like oh well, we found this thing among the wreckage, and blah blah blah. Yeah, <laughs> they found RDX. And after after they like get some data on the crime scene, and then also clear up what happened in with the Israeli military story in the building. The news is never confirmed or delivered that the quote guy the Israelis were looking for was killed in the strike. Mm-hmm. And then there's a scene where it slips and it's just like the language turns to, oh, of course he was. Like they got they got him. Yeah. You know, they got a bunch of other people, but of course they got him. So there's never any investigation of it. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. And then so the the second episode deals a lot with more Josh and uh, his reaction to Donna being uh, injured and everything. He gets over to Germany he, he actually reunites with her. She's, you know, she's in a hospital bed. She'll recover. The doctor says she had, a, like, a collapsed lung and a broken leg kind of thing. Uh, as you remark here, Josh, we find out that Josh is very queasy about medicine, yeah, apparently. just generally. Which is, which is, like, the only sort of, like, comedic note that this episode chooses to take, other than, like, some of the flirting between um, Donna and Jason Isaacs before the explosion. Uh, yeah, and so Josh, like, they have, to, like, a nurse comes in and draws blood, and Josh just is like, alright, I gotta walk away. <laughs> well, there's another thing where, uh, this is just more, it's kind of like a subtle anti-intellectualism in the show, where the doctor is trying to tell Josh what happened to Donna, and let's be clear, it's extremely layman technology that, or right. te- terminology that yeah, he's using. He's, he's not using graphic <clears throat> terminology. No, he's like, just like... He's not describing it in a gross way. He's describing it in a very medical, plain, scientific way. It's like, she has a collapsed lung and, you know, some internal bleeding. And he's like, right. tell, it, tell it to me like I'm an idiot, doctor. And the doctor's like, <laughs> um... Uh. No breathy good. L- Bad. L- yeah, l- lung, lung no worky. <laughs> we we need to make lung worky again. <laughs> Bad bad blood inside must get outside. <laughs> bone bone went out of skin. We put it we back put in, in skin. skin. <laughs> it's just okay, man. You know, you're like the seventh most powerful person on the planet, and yeah, you and you're like super highly educated and whatnot. And he's not using like academic jargon. He's just telling you what happened yeah so we get a bunch of um sort of ancillary characters start to weigh in on stuff with kate harper um who is the nsa Mm -hmm. advisor starts kind of fighting back against the all military all the time options right she's she's pushing for diplomacy and you know for you know talking to the palestinian leader and the israeli leader before exploring these options that the other sit room guys uh, and leo are all pushing very heavily to, like, go in hard and fast. You know, two congressmen died. Admiral Fitzwallis died. They they think that, you know, America's bloodlust is high right now. And in, in the post-9-11 uh, atmosphere of America, it absolutely is. In fact, when is America's bloodlust not high? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I... Holy shit. If, if some actor somewhere in the world killed two sitting congresspeople while they were touring yeah. the country now... 
I, and an admiral. We would. I mean, it would be World yeah. War Three. We would have. Yeah. We would nuke every fucking person. Yeah. Well, this is insane. I was trying to think about like what's the thing on this scale that's actually happened, and like remember how we were talking about that Japan? Yes, the thing ambassador. Where, like the yeah yeah. So like that, and that was one ambassador. Uh, or like Jonestown, they killed one congressman. Oh yeah, you're this right. This is two, you know, this is two congressmen and an admiral. We would absolutely be at war. <laughs> like yeah, or just so, yeah. randomly bombing. Yeah, whatever or yeah, we could shock find. and awe, shock and awe tactics exactly. Uh, but yeah, it's the very fiction of the West Wing that this is yet another instance of preventing World War Three happening here, where they just sort of kind of diplomacy their way out of it a little yeah I guess. we get so we get another ancillary character speaker halfley comes back and gives the like turbo israel hawk <laughs> oh my side God. of the thing and when when, ha- when halfley is like 100 percent on board with you it's the biggest red flag and they should know that by now Dill, why don't you listen to what he's saying and be like oh this guy's actually what we consider to be the bad guy i should not be right. agreeing with him Right, he is. He's in there with um with like Leo and and Bartledge or with Josh or someone, and he's just like, yeah, man, you need to go in there fucking hard and fast, fucking fuck up these Palestinians, just kill everyone. We're all for it. We'll vote for whatever you want. You want a war? We'll do it. Well, and he, he is just like super on board. I'll, I'll get the quote. I'll put the clip in here because it's interesting how he describes it. These lunatics are willing to sacrifice themselves, their children. The only way to ensure the continued safety of this country is to respond in kind. In kind. What I think the speaker is trying to say is that... I got it, Bob. Do you? We lost two U.S. congressmen. I got 200 members of my conference screaming for Chairman Farad's head. There's an obvious course of action here. And on that, we stand firmly behind the president. And it's because... (laughs) Hmm. I know somebody who else is also engaged in sacrificing our civilian population and our women and children to bloodlust. Oh, it's the United States of America. We just do it economically rather than, like, right. warfarishly. Right, yeah. And now with uh, COVID thrown into the mix, oh, too. totally. Um, so uh, the thread of Leo in this episode is his hawkishness starting yeah. to, like, overtake... His better judgment, mm-hmm. I think, is the message that the right. show is so selling. Get, yeah. What's interesting here is we get some flashbacks to Governor Bartlett uh, when as, after he has won the election, but uh, while he's still president-elect and he is not able to be president yet, and he gets a military briefing about what the former president is doing, which is he's sending like a thousand troops to the Philippines for a quote-unquote peacekeeping mission. Um where, you know, there's some sort of trouble going on there. And the president, or sorry, Governor Bartlett mm-hmm. uh, objects very strongly to it and is like, are you kidding me? Like, we're going to start, I'm, I've been president for 72 hours and he's going to fucking hand me a war in the Philippines. And the military guy just kind of smirks and like, haha, he thinks it's a war. And then he like kind of gives Leo a look and like, you tell him. And like Leo's like, look, it's just peacekeeping. All they're doing is like training Filipino soldiers and stuff like that. <laughs> this don't, you know. Please don't think this sounds familiar. No, it's not right. bad like all those other times. <laughs> no, no. And like and of course Bartlett is like immediately suspicious of all this, but is like, All right, Leo, I trust you. You're my you're my best friend and you know the military and whatnot. And it, you're right, in the modern time now, it seems like he's finally starting to graduate past mm-hmm. uh, relying on Leo for military advice on everything. And that's making Leo quite nervous or, or quite, like, upset about that, yeah. the bar, you know, yeah. the president won't just listen to his super hawkish opinion, which is, of course, the correct opinion. Yeah, and it, it becomes explicit at the end of the episode with the fade-out, where it's Leo. It's, it's a lingering shot of Leo being like, uh-oh, like, look at, I'm being, I was summarily dismissed uh-oh. by the president right. here. Oh, shit, you know, um, right. I don't have the, you know, the, the grip on him that he used to. Yeah, the... At one, po- at one point in the sit room, he literally just, like, screams at Kate, like, what the hell do you think you're doing by offering diplomatic options? We In this room, we discuss the hard options, and I believe the line is, world peace is not a priority today. I mean... Is what he says to Kate. Which, pretty, like, okay. Okay, So, cool. you, you want World War Three today. That's what you're telling me. Great. Awesome. Um... 
the um, hang on, I'm, I'm writing down a note to get something later. So the there's a meta here that I actually really like, and mainly I wouldn't have noticed if Emma hadn't pointed it out. Um, Leo encourages Josh to fly across the world to check mm-hmm. up on Donna here. Mm-hmm. And it's obviously it's blurring lines of professionalism, like real. A little. I just, she's in Germany. She's safe. She's in a U.S. military yeah, hospital. Like the, nothing good. You, you're not going to help by being there. Right. Um, True. And he, in theory, he does have, you know, very important work to do and whatnot. But obviously it's being played for like the romantic angle yes. that the show wants to pursue. You're right. But I like the, that, and again, this was an Emma observation. The, it's that Leo is getting Josh out of the building so that he... Right he doesn't get to weigh in on things that Leo is now pushing from right. a hawk, a very hawkish perspective. And also Joss has been fucking losing a lot lately. So right. Leo can just be like, right. no, um, dude, Donna totally needs you. We've got everything locked down here. Go to her. Right. And it's, it's very, that's yeah. It's like clever politicking mm-hmm. maneuvering, uh, disguised in, you know, the air of compassion yeah. of like, oh, no, I'm being nice. I'm letting my employee go to be with this woman he care- clearly cares about. Mm-hmm. But you're right. It's actually a little bit of like savvy political maneuvering by Leo. Yeah. Um, or Emma is right. Well, yeah. And good observation. So the <laughs> we get Josh and Jason Isaacs calling at the hospital in Germany. Mm-hmm. <laughs> having a little Ooh, macho man. Yeah, having a little face off. Thump. Yeah chest thumping bro off kind of moment here of uh, of like uh, uh i'm here to help donna well i'm here to help donna and i've been dating her for a couple of days oh uh, and i mean then because he doesn't have any like professional ties he can just like waltz into the room and kiss her on the lips in her bed right. and josh is like <gasps> yeah it's very funny because like you know her and colin i'm pretty sure do not meet again no. in the future or whatever so it's funny to see josh be like very concerned about a romantic rival who hey josh you're not gonna beat jason isaacs get the fuck out yeah, of here no way dude sorry sorry bradley like, whitford like he's on he, he's on a different tier i'm sorry it's just, it's unfair that's how life is but man um if Jason Isaacs looked at me the way he looks at Donna, <laughs> I, I would do things for Jason can, Isaacs, and I'm a very straight man. He, I'll he put can it that kiss way. me in my hospital bed any day. Um, <laughs> exactly. And then there's this whole, there's this back channel conversation that sort of winds down the episode where Donna gets a bouquet of flowers, and it's like a signal that oh, right, right, Josh right. needs to go meet yes. a Palestinian. Totally forgot this. This is actually very funny with Josh having yeah. to play espionage. <laughs> he is so uncomfortable uh-huh. about it. Well, and he shows up, and he sits down at a table and the guy at the table waiting for him gets up and leaves without saying anything josh is just like so <laughs> it's like like a vincent yeah, he, from fucking pulp fiction being like uh uh <laughs> yeah it's so good uh he immediately calls kate because kate is the one who told him to go do this and is like you you have a guy here right like you have like a cia guy like watching me it's not that guy in the toupee is it <laughs> like it's very funny <laughs> yeah and so this is all juxtaposed with the president preparing to throw out the first pitch at the Nats game as the baseball Correct. season kicks off. Mm-hmm. And there and, is, and given that uh, a big attack has just happened, the optics of doing this are more important than ever, apparently. Yes, for reasons that are completely inscrutable to me, but who am I? I'm just a, a dummy, like, asshole. So they're... They're training him on to throw the pitch, and obviously there's a bunch of comedy beats here where the president can't fucking throw a baseball 90 feet. Let's be clear, I can't throw a baseball 90 feet. And, and in a bulletproof vest, yeah. which limits your motion, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. Because if he he was he they were originally just gonna have him like throw it from the stands down to like a catcher, like six <laughs> feet. And then then uh, because of the attack and, you know, to make a big nationalist statement about how America is safe. Now he wants now they want to have him throw it from the mound. But to be on the mound, he has to wear the bulletproof vest, according to uh, Butterfield. 
And, uh, and that's why they have him training in, like, the longest White House hallway they can find, where they can mark off, like, the distance between a, a pitching mound and home plate. <laughs> so, while he's training, we get him to be, like, sort of, like, introspective and thinking out loud yes, for us. Yes, it's a good scene. And, but he also says all the things that Josh was saying in the first episode. He's just like, well, if they can't fucking shape up, I'm just gonna bomb every single fucking one of them. Just glass the whole goddamn isthmus. Let's go for it. It's like, uh, okay. 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 Wha- That's where we're landing on this. And why are we including more of this language? We've already established this as like the the baseline for the show's politics in this right. regard. This is just over the top and I guess it's a way of showing Bartlett being torn between both sides of the argument where at one point he's very he's mostly diplomatic. But then in this scene, he gets to rant about like, man, I wish I could just stop doing diplomacy and just bomb the fuck out of him. And throughout the entire time, they're referring to the threat to the security of the United States posed by <laughs> these actions in the region. And when when this show says these things, again, one of our fundamental beefs with the West Wing is that these are all taken as um, a priori. Like this, yeah. this is a fundamental truth and understanding of how these things yeah. work. And... I just, I, in the notes, I'm sitting here just like, what the fuck are you talking about? How on earth could any way this conflict plays out threaten the material security of the United States beyond uh, what it's already I'll threatened? T- I'll tell you, I'll tell you exactly what the writers were thinking. 9-11. That was, they're thinking, well, that was a situation where we just sort of like let people do whatever over there and we didn't go in hard and fast enough ahead of time and kill Bin Laden before he did it. And then 9-11 happened. So clearly Gaza will do 9-11 part two on us if we don't fuck them up right enough. That seems to be the logic. Yeah. And I just, I, in case it's obviously like not, not clear, it's like anybody who would, who wants to like attack the United States is already there. Can do it. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't need to watch the 750th air raid on civilian apartments and hospitals in Gaza to push me over the edge here, guys. Like, you're not right. getting an additional terrorism because. Right. And nowhere in these two episodes is the idea brought up that we are creating more terrorists with with these actions. You know, nowhere. Does, is it, you know, or do we see like, oh, look, here's a Gaza boy whose father got bombed by that American Tomahawk missile and now he's go- he hates America and, he- and now he's joining, you know, religious fundamentalists to go do suicide bombings or whatnot. No one, no one interrogates that aspect of it, that where that violence just begets more violence. And. Yeah, and it's just this presumption. Again, it's a presumption of rectitude from the beginning. There is no, like, the American way is the way, and there's no challenge or question to that. And so what we think is good must be good. And this actually, like, I'm glad we're talking about this now because it sort of wraps up the episode because the president is basically, the administration ends up scooped on a diplomatic solution to this that Mm -hmm. is proposed, I believe, by the Palestinian Authority leader or some leader within the Palestinian state. No, it's it's the back channel that gets to Josh. There's like, yeah, there's a guy who's like, look, I'm a different Palestinian leader. I don't agree with the current Palestinian leader about like being all hardline. And I think you, us and Israel should all sit down at the table and actually really talk. Um, and yeah, that's exactly what happens with Josh's whole clandestine and, thing. And then they get scooped on like the national media. Like somebody announces that the summit right. is going to happen without the White House getting ahead of it in the news, which just brings it fucking full circle back to being like, oh, so really your like your beef with this process is that it's a comms issue. You didn't get to yes. announce it yourself. And so you're upset about it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but yeah, and, and so that's what wraps up the episode, actually, with a note of a, ho- a hope of diplomacy, which I forget if the beginning of season six uh, tackles more of this or not. May I think maybe it does, but we will, we'll get to that when we get to that. But it's, you know, it's nice that the episode ends on a note of diplomacy and not warfare, but again, it's just, you know, 
it throws out all the hawkishness that we saw from the sit room and Leo and everything as just like, oh, don't worry about that. Cooler heads will always prevail. Uh, and no, they won't. Yeah, it's like, it's a continuation of the, oh, the truth will be in the middle. And so therefore, clearly, we're going to find this middle ground between Leo screaming about turning, you know, Palestine into a parking lot. <laughs> into a parking and, lot. And, yeah. um, you know, Kate Harper desperately, earnestly trying to resolve things Tr- in political <laughs> fashion. Yeah, Kate Harper, the only human being in the sit room who realizes, uh, death bad, you guys? Death bad? Anyone? Well, anyone. Well, well, Kate, have you, um, have you considered maybe like 70% of death? Would that be a solution in this, uh, in this situation? How about like, uh, 59% of death? Like, Ooh, that's a very reasonable number. I like. You know, that I, f- I feel like if we get down to half a death, that's given the doves too much, uh, too much leeway, and they'll really run with it in the, le- in the next election cycle. Uh, <laughs> it's tough. Yeah, yeah. You know, and we got the death donors to appease. You know, yeah. the military-industrial <laughs> complex, right. your Raytheons, your Boeings. <laughs> you know, those guys—they're not going to cut checks if we don't deliver enough death. <laughs> you know. You know this quarter's big death conference is coming up, and mm-hmm. we, we yeah, got to make a show. You know, it's death Black Friday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, that's about <laughs> it for the episodes. Let's take a brief break. We can come back and wrap up before we sign off. down i mean there's a lot of things going on obviously in these two episodes i wanted to remark briefly on sort of how they tie the donna thing in with the back channel negotiations and deploying Uh josh to conduct diplomacy um josh returns to the hospital and there is a scene where he enters her room finds her bed empty and there's a slow pan down to like a mess of tubes and bandages oh right right right. yeah so in the in the context of what has just happened, where there's a lot of sort of cloak and dagger bullshit right. going on behind the scenes, the viewer would be forgiven for thinking like this is leading into Donna has been further pursued by these actors right. and is Kid- now like kidnapped, kidnapped or something, or something, and is being held hostage or or something like that. And that is certainly I, the implication. And I, I think it's an interesting choice because. And obviously, this is all written in advance, but it does leave some ambiguity, however, however briefly, for the viewer to be like, "Oh shit! Oh shit! Like this is the direction we're going to go in." Now mm-hmm. it becomes an adventure story about Donna like being mm-hmm. abducted, mm-hmm. and so, mm-hmm. and it turns out she just like I don't know, she she blew a chest seal or something, and they had she, to take her back she into has the a OR. Blood clot. Yeah, blood clot, yeah. Pul- pulmonary embolism, and they have to yeah reoperate on her. She'll be fine, but yeah, for that brief moment. It, it opens up some very interesting story possibilities. You're right. And I think the juxtaposing um, Collins, do they make it explicit about his IRA sympathies? Uh, I don't know. I forget. He's, uh, maybe he's definitely I'm... overall more sympathetic to the Palestinians than anyone else in the episode. Yeah. And I think maybe I'm reading into it a little bit too much, but that's also an interesting tie-in to be like this rugged, handsome operator type cameraman fellow is clearly sort of on the fence of legality in in Mm -hmm. sort of ways there's there's he's portrayed in a bit more of a loosey-goosey just kind of you know shady mystery man right type way which him being in donna's hotel room with her sort of reinforces the oh holy shit like did did she get kidnapped is he there to fuck with her like right all this stuff so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's intriguing possibilities. Um, any other thoughts on the episode? No, I think uh, I think Episodes. that's it. And thank thank God we're done with season five. Hey, we're done. Finally, we made it, folk. Uh, like I said, season six doesn't get interesting right away, but at some point, relatively early on, they start introducing Jimmy Smiths and Alan Alda, and uh, and start working up the campaign storyline, which is a lot more exciting to deal with than uh <laughs> than whatever's going on at the <laughs> at the just, uh, lame duck white house yeah re- repeating nationalist genocidal fervor over and over again for 90 minutes of television which is yeah. basically you know 
these two episodes. So I'll be excited um, to see if season six immediately picks back up with uh, Israel-Palestine stuff or if they just decide to jump into a different topic. I honestly do not remember. Well, defo not um, to spoil anything, but it is pretty well done. And honestly, it is in hindsight. We, it is it is. I don't want to say it's retconning, but in hindsight, it was a good decision to start writing Leo into a conflict here Mm -hmm. because you know not to spoil anything loyal (laughs) listeners but john spencer literally physically dies yeah (laughs) in real life in season seven i think in season seven yeah and they write him out with the character also dying because Mm -hmm. of what a a kind of a a stressful like re-aggravation of his health issues that is kicked off with this, which is mm-hmm. why we get some lingering shots of him of Leo being dismayed in distress. By, yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, by by the events of what happened, and that he's not being listened to as much by the president. He's not agreeing with his hawkishness. Yeah, this all leads to reaggravating his heart condition, basically. And and obviously the writers were not aware eighteen months in advance of the fact <laughs> no. that John Spencer actually would have a heart condition and actually die. <laughs> no, but I think they are definitely trying to paint. You know, Leo. They're they're showing the stress between Bartlett and Leo that was never really there before, and they're emphasizing it very clearly for a reason to to drive a wedge between the two characters. And it, it turns out to be convenient in the mm-hmm. end. Yeah, yeah. They sort of. I don't want to say lucked out because you know John Spencer because, died. Yeah. Rip <laughs> but, in peace, poor guy. But, yeah, but. it sort of it sort of worked out. Um, at, all right. Um, any thanks as always for listening. Uh, we made it through season five. Thanks Yay. for for accompanying us on the journey thus far, and we hope you'll remain with us on the journey for as we tackle the last two seasons here and and get into the election storyline that wraps up the show. Uh, as always, you can drop a comment in either one of our threads on SA or BNR. Uh, if you found the show another way, welcome. Hello. And you can email the show at the worst wing 69 at gmail.com. Nice. And as I do my real time check-in on our email account, nope, bunch more uh, SoundCloud transactions and another of these weird automated <laughs> boost, like boost your podcast. <laughs> directory things yeah I, no, will thank make you. A, I will make a promise we will never boost our podcast <laughs> this, this, this podcast will always be free and will never be boosted uh, uh, unboosted 100 <laughs> we remain unlike me for covid this podcast will remain <laughs> unboosted yes you personally listeners should be boosted but this podcast will not be <laughs> all right well as always thanks for listening everyone and we'll be back uh, sometime soon to kick off season six Bye-bye. Right, thanks, everybody. Bye. Stay safe. For, but don't ask me to come on along.